You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Emma. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Well, with me, I have a very special guest tonight, um, or today, or whenever you're listening to this. George Lucas in Love is being re-released on uh, this month, actually. It will have been re-released by the time you hear this interview. A 15th anniversary edition and is available on iTunes and maybe other places as well. We have director, co-writer, and co-creator Joe Nussbaum here to talk about this film and a little bit about its history, its background, and anything else we so desire to talk about. Joe, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thanks. Awesome to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. You know, as I as I watched this short, one of the things that came to mind was: um, Are you familiar? Are you are you a Lord of the Rings fan at all? I'm not really okay. that familiar with Lord okay, of the Rings. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, there's been, there's been this meme that it keeps popping up on my Facebook feed that says, you know, Boromir, one of the characters says, "One does not simply waltz in or walk into Mordor." And I, and I think that likewise, one doesn't just walk into the playground of George Lucas, all right, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and I think in order to understand about how this film came about, a little bit about how you played in George Lucas's playground, so to say, um, let's talk a little bit about your journey to this film. Tell me about your first encounters with Star Wars and the universe of Star Wars. So, you know, I think a lot of people, it's interesting, think they were the sort of perfect age uh, for Star Wars, you know, whether they saw it when they were 15 or they saw it when they were five or they saw it when they were 20. I feel like I was truly in the pocket of the perfect age for Star Wars. It was one of the first movies I ever saw in a theater. I was like four and a half years old. I don't remember that much about the movie itself, but I vividly remember loving it. And I remember going out in the lobby where they were already selling the Kenner action figures and just in the lobby of the movie theater and just demanding that my mom buy me some, (laughs) um, which was the start of just building an entire basement full. Um, Of course, you know, losing all their value, ripping them off the cards and playing with them endlessly till they fell apart. Right. Um, and just each, each next movie in the original trilogy, just being like even more sort of the perfect age, you know, three years go by and, and I'm seven and empire strikes back is coming out and just, you know, the anticipation and the excitement and just, I remember talking even at that age to friends about, What's going to happen in this one? And the, I think someone even spoiled for me that, you know, Darth was Luke's father. But it didn't – it wasn't a spoiler to me. It was just the greatest news that I'd ever heard. You know, it was just like this amazing um, piece of info. And there was no other entertainment that I really lit, lit me up in the same way and got me excited. And, and then for Jedi, you know, being 10 by then and just – 
that I vividly remember every second of, of oh. that theatrical experience, you know, going, it was hot in Minneapolis where I grew up in late May and just walking into the air conditioned theater and the crawl coming up. And I remember that giant door to Jabba's palace opening and R2 and 3PO going through and just this unbelievable excitement I had to be seeing another star Wars movie. And you know, Star Wars was just such a huge part of my childhood. Um, you know, the toys, the movies, the universe. I, I remember reading the, you know, the Timothy Thumb first book when it came out. And just um, just everything about it, wanting to be a part of it to the, to the point of once I got older and understood, you know, more about what movie making was and that there was this thing that existed that people made movies and I got a video camera and I tried to make movies and I knew George Lucas went to USC film school. So that put it at the top of my list for where I wanted to go. Um, it just had a huge, huge impact. Well, man, obviously if he ended up going to the same university that George Lucas <laughs> went to that, that's something, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I remember in, in the intro filmmaking class, there were about 12 of us in my section and we went around and everyone was supposed to say how they ended up in film school. And I think eight of the 12 of us mentioned Star Wars. <laughs> That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Now, do you still have any of your uh, action figures, even though they've been played out? I do. I do. I have a handful and uh, I'm excited. I have a, my son is almost four right now. Um, and I'm excited. He hasn't seen Star Wars yet. Uh, any of them. But I'm excited for when he does and letting him play with them. And hopefully he'll want to buy new ones. And I, I still get excited walking down that toy aisle um, at yeah. Target when it's got any kind of Star Wars stuff. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. So uh, so these films, uh, the Star Wars films, obviously inspired you as a creator and as a, uh, as a writer and, and obviously in film. Um, and you mentioned you ended up at USC. How did this, I mean, how did that journey transpire? I mean, you just, can you give us a little bit more information on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I was lucky enough that I got a video camera when I was like 12 and just started making movies with friends in the backyard. And some of them were sci-fi. Some of them were sort of shoot 'em ups. A lot of them were ninja movies. I was very into ninjas by my the point, by the time that rolled around. My son would be uh, proud. <laughs> what's that? My son would be proud. He loves ninja movies. You know, he's sick. yeah, yeah. I just make all these ninja movies, and we wrapped. Uh, I'll have to. Uh, you'll have to show your son how to make a ninja mask out of a T-shirt. It's a great trick. Oh, okay, um, but. Uh, we used to just make all these, these little movies and I was, I would just, I wasn't the film geek who saw like every art house movie and every Academy award winning movie. Although I went to film school with one of some of those guys and they were really impressive. But what I was, was definitely the film geek who just wanted to make stuff and was always obsessed with how things got made. There was actually a show on Nickelodeon called um, standby lights, camera action when I was a kid, which was, it just showed all this behind the scenes stuff and how they explosions and how they use models and how they, use, and anything that, that ever uses a trick, um, any sort of movie magic always fascinated me. Um, and just this idea of just making, making movies was something I really wanted to do. And so I just kept tracking it and my parents were supportive and there was ever like 
a course at the JCC or any sort of extracurricular thing where I could do that, they would sign me up. Um, and yeah, I was really focused on it. And in, in, by the time I got to high school, you know, I worked on video yearbook, um, and I started a morning TV show in place of the morning announcements my senior year. And I spent one summer at this program at Northwestern university where we made, we made movies. And interestingly, a lot of the instructors, despite it being at Northwestern, a lot of the instructors uh, in the film program were from USC, from the film school. Okay. And so that was another, that, that was another sort of thing that really affected my choice. Um, but yeah, I knew that's where I wanted to go. And, you know, I went and visited a few other places like NYU, but sort of this idea of actually being here in LA and being in Hollywood was, um, it was just an un, undeniable draw for me. And, and I just, I had to get out here. So how did this all lead into this film, George Lucas in Love? So I finished film school um, and I had made, you know, the handful of shorts that you get to make as a film student. And I was you know, very proud of them, but they were certainly student films. They definitely all, each had their own major learning curve. Um, and then I started working in the business. I, I started working as an assistant. Um, you know, answering phones, scheduling appointments, reading scripts for my boss, who was a VP of development um, at a company called Beacon Pictures. And one of the, in addition to lots and lots and lots of scripts, she would also get these videotapes, um, some of which, you know, for directors, some of which were reels. They were, you know, combos of various TV commercials that these directors had done, stuff like that. Of course, there were features directors done, and then there were shorts. So there was a pile in the office of shorts on VHS. Um, and I just remember thinking, like, I'm doing this right now. I'm, I'm an assistant. I'm writing screenplays at night and on weekends when I can. But, man, it would be great to have a tape in that pile. And... I knew that that wasn't going to happen with any of the student films I had made. I knew that I needed something slicker and better and stronger and just sort of something you couldn't help but put in the VCR, which is a tall order. <laughs> um, but I started talking to a couple friends about it. Joseph Levy, who I had gone to SC with, who uh, ended up producing George Lucas and Love is one of, one of my best friends, and, and Tim Dowling. Um, who also I went to SC with and I'd been in a comedy troupe with and I knew he was one of the funniest guys and best uh, story guys I knew. Um, and then another friend, uh, Dan Shear, who I had actually gone to camp with since I was 14 and he's also one of the funniest people I know and a great writer. And we just started talking about shorts. What can we do? And uh, basically one of the things I noticed in this pile my boss had was that anything – that was sort of spoofy or a twist on something, it always sort of rose to the top. I vividly remember one called Eating Las Vegas um, <laughs> that I just, I just had to put in when my boss was out at a meeting. I just had to watch it because like, what's the joke? How, how good is it? How does it work? And I remember also really vividly Troops, um, which blew my mind. Uh, Kevin Rubio's Star Wars um, Cops send up, which was amazing. Um, and then there was this other one called Swing Blade, which was this combo of swingers and sling blade. 
that ended up actually on our DVD when we released a, a George Lucas and Love DVD a while back. Um, but all these shorts, they had this extra appeal, you know? And so I thought, or I should say we thought, because the, the group of us talked about this a lot, what should we do? Um, you know, that maybe this is the way to do it. Make a great story, make make it funny, make it slick, but make it, you know, a, a spoof. Use a property that's going to get people's attention. And Tim was a big believer in that especially. He really, he really felt strongly. And he saw... Uh, Shakespeare in Love at a really early screening and maybe even the premiere and with an actress friend of his and he was like this is what we spoof he's like we take Shakespeare in Love and we insert someone else and here was his idea Joe Esterhaus in Love uh, in a lot of ways Joe Esterhaus is kind of the anti-Shakespeare okay um, <laughs> And, and, you know, so it would be this guy writing these, you know, showgirls and basic instinct and all this stuff uh, with writer's block and it's all around him. And it was a funny idea, but I wasn't necessarily interested in pouring my heart and soul into a short and money into a short about Joe Esterhaus. It just didn't really resonate with me. And so Tim and I started batting around other people and we talked about, you know, Steven Spielberg in love. Does he go swimming and there's a shark and does he have an alien like E.T.? Um... You know, we talked about Stephen King in love, which I think is truly one of the ripest. Uh, <laughs> he got a dog named Cujo and he drives a car like Christine and, you know, dates a girl in high school like Carrie and all this stuff. Um, and we were just kicking it around. And then the idea for George Lucas hit. And it, suddenly every other idea that we had been talking about for the last three months evaporated. This was the best idea we'd ever had. We knew that. Um, we came up with the in, basically the entire layout story-wise of the seven-minute short within like two or three conversations. Um, and Tim and I just hashed it out. We knew what it was going to be. That's when I pulled Dan in, um, who just really shares my shared and continues to share my love of sort of Woody Allen movies and that comic sensibility. And so we really created this character of George Lucas, who's really George Lucas as Woody Allen or Woody Allen as George Lucas. And, and he's sort of bumbling through writer's block and the world of star Wars is all around him. And we wrote up the screenplay, revised it a little bit. And, and there it was the seven page document that we were going to make into a short film. And, and then we just had to figure out like how much were we going to spend? How are we going to do this? How could we get it to look as good as we wanted it to look? And that's where Joseph really his producing skills. And he just has this knack for polish, just making everything really look great, feel great. And uh, we shot it and it, it took us months to finally get up the sort of nerve to really pull the trigger on it. And, and we shot it in a couple of days in May and finished it in time for the release of episode one. And, uh, yeah. And that was how George Lucas and love came to be. That's awesome. That is awesome. So tell me, um, I, we're going to get back to George Lucas and love, but one of the things that resonates with me as I'm looking through a, all the films that you've done, uh, including the the American Pie film that you did, is all it, uh, so much of it res revolves around comedy, and even George yeah. Lucas and Love does. What inherently draws you to comedy? I mean, I love comedy. I love to make people laugh. Um, 
you know, I've always been really drawn to funny people. Um, you know, I think I, I aspired to be the class clown. I'm not sure I was quite, (laughs) I was a class clown. I think I, you know, always was happiest when I could make people laugh. I was in a comedy troupe in college. I, you know, all my favorite movies other, it's funny, all my favorite movies other than probably Star Wars, you know, were comedies like Stripes and, you know, Vacation and Police Academy. And, you know, these, these were the movies that I just loved, loved Ghostbusters that I just loved so much as a kid. Um, And I think it's interesting because like I said, when I got the video camera, I made all these little action-y things, ninja movies and and cowboy movies and stuff like that. But then when it came time in film school to really make stuff, all I wanted to do was comedy. It had just there had just been a shift for me. Hmm. And like all the shorts I made were comedies. And that's just like it just became where I focused all my energy. Um and yeah, I, I, I just love it. You know, I've been lucky enough to get to sit in, in test audience screenings with these movies that I made and watch an audience laugh when a joke works. And there's just no greater feeling. And, I, and it's funny now because it's like if someone approached me to make an action movie, like I kind of wouldn't know where to begin. You know, <laughs> I've, I've literally never shot a fight, a, a gun fight, a laser or otherwise of any kind. You know, it's just not, it's just not what I've done. It would be, fu- it would probably be fun to do a really good action comedy if I had that opportunity. Um, but yeah, but just making people laugh and, and, and as I get older too, you know, an interest, not that this is the stuff I've made, but an interest in making stuff that's insightful and funny at the same time would be amazing. Hmm. Well, very good. So f- for our listeners who may not have, seen George Lucas in Love the first time and may have heard of it, but maybe don't know what it's about. Can we give a little bit of a premise for it without spoiling too much about it? Yeah, absolutely. It's basically, it's a spoof of Shakespeare in Love. So in Shakespeare in Love, Shakespeare's trying to write Romeo and Juliet and he's failing and ultimately he falls in love and that's how he writes Romeo and Juliet. And a lot of the scenes mirror the play. So we did the same thing. So we took George Lucas and imagined him trying to write Star Wars as a film student, even though he didn't really write it when he was a film student, but that's okay. Um, And we have him stuck with writer's block, but everything around him in his life is Star Wars. And he just needs to open his eyes and see it. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I enjoyed watching the film was like, oh yeah, this person's this person. This is this person. You're just identifying Star Wars characters and scenes as you go through the short. Exactly. And, and, and it's not even just the characters in, this, in what they're saying or how they're saying it. It's even the transitions and music. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We we wanted to do the the wipe transitions and all that stuff. Yeah, we we tried to have a lot of fun with the formal elements too, because and that was you know somewhat calculated. It's like we knew that to get noticed, and I knew that to get noticed as a director, I had to you you had to flex some directorial muscles a little bit. You know, you you couldn't just throw out something flat. It had to have some style out there to try to show people that you knew what you were doing. Well, I guess the question I had is, as I was watching, I was like, wow, you, 
uh, even the like the music, you kind of skirted copyright, right? A little bit because you would change a few notes here and there, and it would be like, oh yeah, this is Star Wars way. That's not it. You know, just change some stuff here and there. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. We, um, you know, it's funny in retrospect, it was a good move because we own our movie. You know, we didn't use any music from Star Wars or any character names from Star Wars or any, you know, images or sound effects or anything. Um, but at the time, I think we were just doing it because we were scared that <laughs> we were, we didn't know that it turned out George Lucas really liked this movie and, and the whole Lucas film and the whole Star Wars community really embraced it. But at the time we didn't know how it would be taken and if it would be taken as an insult or the wrong way. And so we just wanted to make sure that we were free and clear and that we owned everything we were doing. And yeah, it's an old, the changing a handful of notes is an old trick that like every composer in Hollywood knows. Right. Right. Um, So yeah, that was, that was what we did. Yeah. So, so George Lucas liked the film. Yes. Yes. So I have a letter. I'm looking at it right now, framed on my wall um, from 1999, from June of 99, that, that George Lucas wrote to me congratulating me on the film and saying that he really thought it was uh, well done and funny, which was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, come on. The Star Wars man himself is <laughs> sending you a letter about, about your movie. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was incredible. And then, you know, I actually it's funny because I tried to meet him a couple times when I was sort of there were USC events that he was at, but he was like behind sort of security and velvet ropes and all this stuff. And I didn't get to meet him around George Lucas in love, even though I really wanted to. But then by chance, like five years later, I ended up meeting him. Um, up at the Telluride Film Festival, some helpful festival volunteers who knew who I was and you know who had seen the short helped smuggle me into this screening that he was in early. And I sort of ran up to him and shook his hand and said who I was. And it was the greatest thing. He just like immediately lit up, knew exactly who I was and, and had this great line. He said to me, thanks for making me famous. <laughs> which is like the most ridiculous I know and hilarious and awesome thing anyone's probably ever said to me in my life. And then his kids were there too. Um, cause it was actually a screening of the remastered, uh, THX, um, 1138 that he was bringing up to the festival and the, and, and his daughter was like, Oh, I know that short. We watch that all the time. We love that. And it was, it was just this very unbelievably cool moment. Oh man. That would that 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 you know that would be cool definitely to to just to meet him and to have them have that said about a film that really uh, you were having a lot of fun and with his um, college life and I, I, I probably none of it's based on reality I mean you made up everything I, no right? yeah. I can't imagine there's anything about it <laughs> yeah. that was remotely so but you know but having this kind of fun with this like where did the films come from you know and having him love it just um, again is a huge I think tribute and says something about the quality of the work that you did so thank you you are re-releasing this film or it's been re-released and that's really the reason we have you here on the sci-fi diner tell us a little bit about this re-release so it had never been in hd 
you know, we did, we just didn't have, it just, I think HD was around then, but it was in its infancy and we certainly weren't going to transfer it to some format that no one had at the time. Um, and then a few years back, it was like, you know, just for archival purposes, if nothing else, like let's, let's pull out the old film negative. You know, we shot it on 35 millimeter film and it's like, let's pull out the negative. Let's completely retransfer it. Um, let's clean it up. Let's get it up to snuff. Let's redo the the mix. We had never loved the sound mix. So we redid that. We went back to the original stems for those who know what that means. And, um, we remixed it in 5.1. So it sounds great and it looks great. And we just wanted to have this, you know, pristine, better, you know, copy of the movie that sort of could live on and, and just be great. And also, you know, if you, if you did ever buy it on VHS or DVD, you know, it wasn't necess- that's not necessarily the way that you access your entertainment anymore, you know? Right. So let's get it out there in a format that people can add it to their libraries. It can be one click away from watching or showing to a friend or someone who hasn't seen it before. And let's just, let's, let's get it out into the digital age, both in terms of how, how it can look and sound and its accessibility for viewing as well. And, and so that's what we did. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is very cool. And the quality of it is amazing. Mind you. Thank you. Yeah, I did. I, you know, I had a chance to see it and it's absolutely a beautiful film and, uh, it's a short, but, uh, worth every single penny you spend on <laughs> buying. It is, it is available where if people want to purchase it. It's definitely on iTunes. I think that's just the simplest and easiest way. I think there may be other outlets, but but yeah, I mean, iTunes is ubiquitous, uh, and that's where it is. Is there a website they can go to to find out more about the film? Yeah, I think uh, georgelucasandlove.com should be up and running. I'm actually going to check while, uh, while we're talking. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Uh, here it is. Yeah, absolutely. And that can send you, yeah, that can send you where you need to go and give you all the info. And it's got the poster image um, right there on the, on the website. The poster was a cool story too, because we really wanted, um, this was once we already knew that people were liking it and it, it was getting a sort of groundswell of support and we were getting ready to do a VHS release and we wanted some art for it. What we really wanted, you know, in keeping with this sort of, you know, five notes removed for the music and all the character cognates, we wanted a Drew Struzan style poster. Um, And I actually had the chutzpah to contact Drew Struzan and ask if he would be willing to do a poster for us. And the thing was, he actually said, I've almost forgotten this story and I, I hope I'm remembering it right, but he actually said yes which was unbelievably great. But he said, yes, as soon as he was done with like his next three things, which would have been like four months later or something. Oh. And we, of course, stupidly, you know, called, asked at the last minute and we needed to get this thing out there. So I had a friend working at the Simpsons as a storyboard artist. And I, this was before you just go on Facebook and say, Hey, who can draw? Um, but he said, you know, while he can basically draw Homer and Bart and <laughs> and he's not like a Struzan-esque, um, you know, portraiture artist. He said there was a guy there named Paul Wee who just draws beautiful portraits, actually, I think taught like a class in portrait 
uh, drawing it like UCLA extension or something. And so we gave him some images from the movie and, you know, gave, and he knew what Strews and Star Wars posters look like. And he created this poster that's just absolutely beautiful and amazing with the lens flare in the middle and the, just the whole structure of a Struzan poster that became, you know, that became our poster and our box art. And it's the art that you see when you go to iTunes or georgelucasandlove.com. And it's one of the coolest things about the, the whole journey of the short. So before J.J. Uh, Abrams brought the lens flare to popularity, it was Struzan that initially popularized it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's always <laughs> in the – I mean, if you if you Google all those posters, the Star Wars poster, the Empire poster, definitely the Episode One poster, like there's always that lens flare in the middle. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, we'll see if there's any in Episode 7 when it comes out, right? I think – yeah, I think <laughs> there will be a lot. <laughs> Although, I don't know because everyone talks about it online. Maybe he's sensitive to that now. I, I've, I've, I've never met Jay Abrams. Yeah, no, yeah. I, no, I know, I know. Are you looking forward to uh, 7, 8, and 9 when they come out? I absolutely am. I mean, it's amazing. Like, the day the news came out that they were making – uh, a, you know, a, a sequel to Jedi, a seventh movie, my immediate reaction was complete euphoria. <laughs> I mean, as if nothing had ever gone wrong. <laughs> right, right. Or as if there had never been any twists and turns in the road of Star Wars. It was just like, yes, <laughs> they're making another one. Um, and then I sort of tried to back down that enthusiasm a little just, you know, for self-preservation. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, but no, I'm super excited. I will absolutely be watching it. You know, I'm sure at midnight opening night, um, and yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, it it will be it will be awesome. I too, I'm in the same boat. And even though you know people dog on the prequels, you know there was still I was still at the midnight showings and it was still Star. Oh, yeah. It was still Star Wars, and I'm not saying they were perfect, but I loved it. You know. Yeah. I waited in line. I mean, I, I didn't do the the month or three months in line or whatever, but I mean, I waited in line for each of those movies for yeah, sure. Yeah. And was, you know, very excited about them. Yeah. And it's just the whole, you know, the whole thing. I can't yeah. wait. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Joe, thank you so much for taking part of your day out to just to chat with us about George Lucas in love. And I uh, really appreciate it. You got it. This was great. Thanks right. so much for helping uh, spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. And again, just real quickly, if people want to find out more about the film, they can do that. Is it georgelucasinlove.com? Is that correct? Yep, georgelucasinlove.com. It's all, all there. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Joe. Really appreciating you. I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. You got it. Thanks. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, the service, and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com. <laughs>